Hello, everyone, and welcome to the terrific Tuesday edition of the Good News Journal. I am King Sean, House of Anden, Hand of Stephen, Kingdom of God, and thank you for being here. Uh, really, really, really enjoy doing these podcasts now. Uh, thrilled with the amount of people who are listening to them. Um, yeah, I don't know. Thank you very much. And a very brief apology for yesterday's show because I do listen to all of my podcasts at least once afterward. Uh, but I didn't do that right away last night. Uh, I didn't actually listen to the replay of the podcast until early this morning. <laughs> and it was kind of funny because I'm listening to it and I talk about how I'm going to come right back and read the letter. And then I come right back and say goodbye. So... <laughs> I thought, my goodness, uh, was I, did I zone out there? Did I miss that letter? Uh, I could have sworn I read it, and I don't know how I managed to do it, but really, I did record the entire podcast. I forgot to put one of the sections into the podcast episode before I published. Uh, don't, I don't know. I don't know how I did that, but it was still there this morning, so I just went back and added that in. But that was kind of the whole point of the call yesterday. So if you were one of the first two people that listened to that call to hear the letter and missed it, um, it's in the call now. Sorry about that. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, please excuse me. Um, what else am I doing today? Uh, oh, yeah, today we're talking about no reply from the city of Ottawa in response to the notice of criminal liability that was issued to them yesterday. So that is now officially two government offices on notice of criminal liability. And the first one, I'm not so surprised that there hasn't been any response, but this one, I'm a little, well, I'm a lot surprised because uh, I only have nine days to get something done that I don't have. Like, I don't have the stuff in my hands to do the work they want me to do, <laughs> much less get it back to them. So, don't know what's going on there. Um, but I was expecting to hear something back today, and I didn't. Uh, then there was also, I've mentioned that there's a Shoppers Drug Mart issue. Uh, I don't even know when it happened, uh, probably about a month ago now, uh, when it first happened, um, that I was basically uh, harassed and then threatened by a store manager by, I don't even know if threat is the right, but like an intimidation tactic. He called me on basically in the store, which was just kind of weird. Like, I don't know. I haven't seen anybody do that since like high school, basically. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, I'm leading the store and he asks me if I want to be something. And uh, anyway, um, so that whole thing, I put them on notice of criminal liability, but I had not been back to the store before today. I went back to the store today, and uh, I'm going to be talking about that experience when I come back as well. Some of the precautions I did before going back to the store, because I did want to make sure that I had my ass covered. Uh, so I'm going to be talking about that. Um, and yeah, maybe just a little bit more elaborating on on some of these public notices and what's coming up in the near future. So thanks again for being here. Uh, I hope you enjoy the show. I'll be back in just a sec. All 
right, everyone, I'm back. And uh, I don't make a lot of notes. In fact, generally, I don't make any notes. Uh, I think I did maybe for the first one or two calls before I, I started doing a podcast. I'm going to try and get into the habit of making a couple more notes because I do sometimes lose my talking points halfway through. I get, you know, off on a tangent about something. Um, that's also one of the reasons, though, that I try to keep each segment that I'm doing under half an hour because I just kind of come up with a couple of things that I want to talk about. And I know that I can easily spend, you know, 10 or 15 minutes talking about maybe one point. And so generally I'll have one or two points that I want to speak about at one time and then I'll go for a break and see if there's anything else I feel like I should talk about on the call, come back to that, you know, that's sort of my process for now. And I'm just letting you know, because I feel like I'm getting into a bit of a groove here. Finally, I'm starting to feel more comfortable talking to nobody. Um, it's, it is a weird thing to get used to, but I think, I think the whole COVID isolation thing was helping because, uh, it actually feels a little bit healthier to even just hear my own voice instead of just, you know, the odd time that I talk to my cat. Um, so again, I'm thankful to have you as an audience here to listen. And today um, I'm talking about going back to Shoppers Drug Mart and what the experience was like for me today. And I thought if I am going to be talking about that, um, I haven't, I haven't covered over that full notice yet and i thought i should maybe do that today because it's actually a pretty important thing to be talking about it's it's absolutely relevant to everything that's going on right now there's so many um the emergency measures act has trespassed upon so many constitutional rights and a lot of us are you know waiving those rights without hesitation, I guess. Uh, and I don't like to see that happen. You know, like if there's a good reason for it, if it's keeping people safe, I'm all for it. I really am. In fact, <clears throat> one thing that I was almost disappointed to find myself reading from an old blog post was when this first happened, you know, they were asking us to social distance and only leave your home, like basically lockdown, but only leave your home if you needed essential items. And I wrote a blog post where I was basically criticizing anybody that wasn't going to follow that order for the two weeks. And I'll be honest with you, I wasn't sure it was like legitimate or anything at the time either, but I wanted to give the benefit of the doubt to the government. I wanted to presume that, okay, you know what, let's just, let's just take them at their word because I would rather be, 99.99% sure that I'm being played um, and do the right thing and find out that that 0.00001% chance that it was as deadly as they were telling us it was, was in fact true. And, you know, like I would never have forgiven myself for that. That's something you can't go back from. Um, so I was telling people, you know, to basically social distance and, and, you know, listen to the lockdown order. And the reason that I wanted people to do that primarily was because I believe that two weeks was, you know, somewhat reasonable and, you know, it ended up being, we're into two years now. So 
that's what I'm getting at is that, you know, the, the Canadian people really did, you know, do their part. They've done more than their part at this point. And, you know, like I said, I'm all for it if it's for the best interest of health and well-being and all that kind of stuff. But anybody who really begins to look at this whole situation now with a critical discerning eye and takes into account the number of people that have died from suicide, uh, mental health issues, um, domestic abuse, whatever the case may be, um, the collateral damage from lockdowns, mask wearing, and social distancing um, is having a far greater toll than the initial risks of the COVID virus. And <clears throat> that is how, in my opinion, it's very easy to tell that this is not a government safety concern. This is a government control concern and they're using fear to endorse that control. Um, anyway, uh, I didn't mean to get off on that tangent, uh, but this is relevant because I have not worn a mask, I will not wear a mask, and I'm not criticizing those who do. If you feel safer, you know, do whatever to make yourself feel safe and comfortable because that's really paramount. Stress is one of the number one killers of an immune system, so being stressed out is not going to help you. Being fearful is not going to help you. Getting lots of exercise will help you. Um, breathing fresh air will help you. So I would say whenever you are, you know, in a free environment where you are able to breathe clean, fresh air, do so. Um, but yeah, I haven't worn one since the beginning. I've mentioned here that I, I literally can't. Um, I feel highly, highly claustrophobic, like, a, I don't know if claustrophobic is even really the word, but, um, yeah, I don't know, uh, that is, that is kind of the way it feels like, I don't know, um, but anyway, yeah, I can't, I feel like I can't breathe, uh, it, it, it's, you know, it's just not good for me, and I, I know that, and, I'm not going to ever let anybody dictate what I must do to take care of my own health. Okay. You know, I'm not going to try and tell somebody else what they must do for their health. And the fact of the matter is I know I'm not sick. I can't be like the chances of me being sick would be almost impossible because I spend 90% of my time quarantined. So I'm the one who is placing myself at risk by going into these stores with all kinds of people wearing masks potentially, right? Cause they're all exposed to each other a great deal more than I am, at least the staff at the store and whatever. So anyway, what happened is the manager told me that uh, they're not allowing mask exemptions. And that was actually one of the things that the lady at the front desk told me. And well, not front desk, it was the cosmetics desk. We're talking about shoppers. <laughs> but anyway, I, and I just said to her, yeah, and I said, that's fine. Uh, you know, you're not legally allowed to do that. So whatever. And she said, okay. Um, but I do have to tell the manager or whatever. And so I guess she went to find the manager to tell him. And I just went about my business. I just went in and, uh, yeah, stick a deodorant. That's how exciting my trip was. That's what I needed that day. Um, and I guess it wasn't really that essential because, you know, who's smelling me but me, um, seeing as I'm quarantined 90% of the time. But uh, essential enough that I, you know, I wanted to go and get some. So 
I actually get my product, get to the cash register without incident, without talking to anybody in the store. Um, even the cashier, she may have asked me about the mask. I don't know. I can't remember now. But if she did, it was a non-issue when I told her that I had the medical exception. It was just okay. And away she went, blah, blah, blah. And then after, like, literally, I get my receipt, and, and I'm just taking the receipt and the product in my hand, and I get tapped on the shoulder by one of the managers telling me, or I'm guessing it was an assistant manager. I don't actually know. Um, but one of the staff members with enough audacity to actually touch me, uh, you know, tap me on the shoulder. And when I turn around and look at her, she, she's holding out a mask for me to wear. And I, I just kind of shook my head and laughed and said, like, are you kidding me? I said, uh, I've got my product. I'm just about to leave the store. And as I'm explaining this to her, the general manager, I guess, comes up and, I don't know, just basically lays right into me that, he, if, you know, if I'm not putting on that mask, he wants me out of his store right now, this and that, whatever. Again, I'm already holding the product and the receipt. I would have been out of their store without incident if I hadn't been intercepted by this lady wanting me to wear a mask for the last 10 feet that I'd be walking down this hallway where there's nobody in it, nobody in the hallway that I'm going to walk down to leave the store. But they wanted me, I guess, to wear a mask for that last 10 feet. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, yeah, I told him the same thing, that he's not allowed to. He tries to give me some nonsense about uh, they're registered as a private business so he can decide who they're going to serve and who they're not going to serve. And I told him that if that were true, he would not be mandated to be open during a pandemic. Uh, only essential businesses for the public are allowed to be open. So that isn't true. And if he's allowed to open under the Emergency Act, then he must also abide by the exemptions afforded by the Emergency Act. And he didn't like that, basically. Um, I think it made him feel stupid and I'm just guessing but you know I said that piece I turned around to leave he said to me I don't care as long as you don't ever come back in the store or something to that effect I wasn't going to allow him to believe that that was going to be some kind of demand I was going to honor so silence would be presumed acquiescence all the same laws that apply in law apply in the common law when we're having a conversation with someone, the same principles apply. And so I went back to him and I said, no, I'm telling you that you don't have the legal right to refuse service to me and I will be back anytime. It is essential for me to come here for essentials I require. And then I turned to leave again. And I got maybe a third of the way down the corridor and, uh, and he yelled after me, you want a piece of me? And so, you know, I went back and asked him what he meant by that. And, uh, he repeated himself the first time. And I asked him if he was threatening me when I asked him if he was threatening me, he said, why don't you come get some find out? And, uh, and that was when I said, no, I said, but I will file a complaint. I'm going to be charging you with, uh, threats and, uh, intimidation, I need to know your name. He refused to give me his name and all kinds of craziness. Anyway, that's the long and short of the story, probably the longer than the short of it. But 
that led to a bit of an email correspondence. And uh, when I do get into the full depth of my letters out loud, that's what that's going to be like. I'll do one that's exclusively on all of the correspondence between myself and the Shoppers Drug Mart from the initial complaint that I filed. In fact, in this particular case, I don't think I have the initial complaint to the head office. Usually they send that back to you when they send the first email reply. They didn't. So I don't have the exact context of the first complaint message to them, but I did send a link to my blog post, which I am using as a testimony of the events that happened in that in, in their store that day. Um, so, and I know that I did that in the original complaint as well. So the blog post itself stands on the record as the, you know, as my statement, if you will, <laughs> statement on the public record of, of the events that took place that day. And yeah, and then there was a little bit of correspondence back and forth. When I advised them that, you know, what I was going to be that I hadn't received any assurance yet for my own protection in their store and that I was now going to be asking for a million dollars liability. Um, they got back to me and told me that I needed to contact their legal office in Toronto and gave me a snail mail address without an email address, without a fax number, without a contact name for their legal department. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I would have any way if they had told me to contact their legal department because it really isn't my duty or responsibility. They've been placed on notice of criminal liability. It is now their duty, if they want to seek legal counsel, to go and get that legal counsel and respond or respond themselves. It's not my duty to say, okay, hey, you know, Shoppers Drug Mart doesn't know how to respond to this. Are you their lawyers? Okay, good. Do you want to take a look at this for me, please? That's not how it works. They have the complaint. They don't know how to respond to it. They need to forward that to their legal department. So the reason I'm pointing that out, I don't think that would be as relevant to most other people. Um, it is extremely relevant to me because the reason that they are doing that is they are trying in any way that they can to have a legal entity to address that is not King Sean, House of Von Den, Hand of Stephen, Kingdom of God, because right now that's the only individual they've been doing correspondence with. So that's why they're not passing it on to their legal department because their legal department has already told them to try and get me to write them. I'm just telling you my intuition here. I don't know this to be factual, obviously. Can't tell you what's going on behind the scenes. But that's my belief, is that they already had their legal team look at this. Their legal team said, tell him to send it to our legal team. And that's because they want to try and get some other name on the envelope that they think they're going to receive in the snail mail, which they're not going to receive. And that's why they didn't give me the email address, because they don't want me to contact the legal department by email, they want to have something on paper. Now I could do it. I could send it snail mail, but why would I? Um, and that's just going to delay the, the process anyway. It doesn't change the timeline. It's not the time that I serve the law firm. It's the time that I serve the respondent. And Shoppers Drug Mart is the respondent. You know, whether or not they choose to get legal counsel is up to them and how quickly they do so and deal with it, again, is them or their negligence, one way or the other. So 
after they told me that, uh, yeah, I said, no, that's not happening. You've already been placed on criminal liability. That was done on the 23rd of May, 2021 at 1027 AM. It was done by way of email and it was in the complaint in the, like in the correspondence that has been going back and forth from the original complaint threat. So I'll have all of the rest of the emails, except for the very first one that I sent to them. And uh, as I stated before, it just links to the original blog post that tells the story of that adventure. Um, subject, notice of criminal liability. I'm hereby serving Shoppers Drug Mart and the MOD in brackets, manager on duty. At the time indicated on my store receipt of this complaint, notice of civil and criminal liability for trespass upon right of autonomy over my health care, violation of Canadian Charter Rights, Section 7, verbal, physical, emotional, and psychological intimidation, threats of harm to my health, violation of Canada's Criminal Code, RSC 1985, C Criminal Code, Section 4, violation of the EMACPA, the Emergency Measures Act, um, and I can't remember uh, what the CPA stands for, but anyway, uh, store manager and other staff approached me after I had purchased my product, instigating conflict and were within inches of my face, endangering my health and the safety of others, all while I'm unable to wear a mask to protect myself for medical reasons, and therefore that much more conscious of respectfully maintaining a safe social distance for my protection. That safety was breached in contravention of the Emergency Measures Act. Defamation of my character and attempts to emasculate and demoralize. Uh, points of authority. Now, this is something that I don't usually include in my notices of criminal liabilities, not really um, my duty to show them where the law states that they're wrong. Uh, you actually prove your arguments once they're disputed generally. Um, but it doesn't hurt to have a foundation. <laughs> so I, I wanted them to know exactly what they're violating with respect to the Emergency Measures Act. Uh, so that's really what I'm quoting here. Um, 7.0.11 Section 1. Every person who fails to comply with an order under subsection 7.0.2 number four, or who interferes with or obstructs any person in the exercise of a power or the performance of a duty conferred by an order under that subsection is guilty of an offense and is liable on conviction, comma, A, in the case of an, in, of an individual, subject to clause B, to a fine of not more than $100,000 and for a term of imprisonment of not more than one year, B, in the case of an individual who is a director or officer of a corporation to a fine of not more than $500,000 and for a term of imprisonment of not more than one year. And C, in the case of a corporation to a fine of not more than $10 million, uh, 206 section 13, section one, or, or I don't know, C.13, comma, section one, brackets four. Uh, who is exempt from wearing a mask? Children under the age of two or children under the age of five years, either can chronologically or developmentally, who refuse to wear a mask and cannot be persuaded to do so by their caregiver. 
individuals with medical conditions, including breathing or cognitive difficulties, or a disability that prevents them from safely wearing a mask. That would be me. Anyone who is unable to put on or remove their mask without help. A person who needs to temporarily remove their mask while in the enclosed public space for the purposes of receiving services that require the removal of their mask. Actively engaging in an athletic or fitness activity, including water-based activities, including lifeguards, working at indoor pools, consuming food or drink, or an emergency or medical purpose. A person who is an employee of the operator of an enclosed public space and is in an area of the premises that is not designated for public access or is within or behind a physical barrier. Example, plexiglass. Some people who are deaf or hard of hearing rely on lip reading to help understand verbal messages and masks may create a barrier. Employees should keep an open mind when communicating with a person who is deaf or hard of hearing, particularly when wearing a mask and let the person suggest their preferred way of communicating. There may be situations where someone who is deaf or hard of hearing may require an employee to remove their mask or face covering to speak to them. We remind anyone removing their mask or face covering to follow safe handling procedures and to keep a safe distance of two meters or six feet away from others. Please note, no persons should be required to provide proof of exemption or turned away from indoor public spaces, enclosed common areas, or designated outdoor spaces if unable to wear a mask. Now that's straight from the Emergency Measures Act of Canada. I just copied and pasted the entire thing here so that they have it. And uh, attacks upon my life, liberty, and security in violation of Canada's charter. I showed the, uh, I provide a link there to the Justice of Canada website where it speaks specifically to the right of autonomy over one's health care. Uh, I am asking for a swift resolution to this complaint as I refuse to be intimidated by the harassment, threats of harm, and dangerous situation I was subject to as a result of your manager's criminal negligence. I am also publicly asking of you to retain all video footage of the encounter. Please be advised that failure to preserve any information relative to this incident will be considered intentional and is subject to additional criminal charges. An original sworn testimony of the events that took place on the date indicated on the receipt and included with this complaint, May 10, 2021, 2.27 p.m., is published in my journal on the International Public Record at www.vondenvisuals.com and then the rest of the link. You will hereby take notice of this email as legal service of notice of civil and criminal liability for your trespasses against me. Please also be advised that I will not be waiting for your reply to this email to return to your store. So I strongly suggest you advise your managers and store operators of their criminal negligence regarding the emergency orders, as I will be charging you an additional $10,000 for harassment and public nuisance per occurrence, $100,000 if I'm asked to leave the premise before I have concluded my essential business, and $1 million for uttering threats of physical violence or any other attempt to emasculate or demoralize the good nature of my character. Performing any of the acts cited in this paragraph will be presumed to be in agreement to these terms without prejudice. Please also be advised that my legal and lawful position of office is sovereign, is a sovereign people of Canada acting on Her Majesty's service, 
and I am King Sean, House of Vondin, Hand of Stephen, the Kingdom of God. I am the sovereign people of Canada, observed by Canada's courts, Registrar General's Office, in brackets, and Ministry of the Attorney General's Office. Please see attachments to this email in brackets. You can also find plenty of supporting documents on my website at www.bondenvisuals.com. I think I only said two W's, you know there's three. Please also take notice that my unusual use of capital letters is intentional. I am a sovereign people. My language is an evolved English dialect, and I am communicating with you in proper freestyle English, which should not be confused with any legalese definitions, as that language is foreign to me would require a translator to formal, proper English, and is inferior in jurisdiction and authority to that of the common law, God's law, and the supreme law of the Commonwealth of Canada. I use capital letters explicitly to emphasize words I deem to be of greater importance than others. I am giving you until the end of the 22nd day of June, 30 days from the date of this notice of criminal negligence and civil liability, to respond to this notice. If you fail to provide a statement of defense, a writ of apology, and guarantee my safety in your stores and the sum of $1 million Canadian in restitution for damages before 22nd of June 2021, default judgment will be awarded against you without further notice to you and will be published on the international public record where the international community will bear witness to these deeds. Please also be advised that these notices will also be sworn onto the court of record as a statement of facts regarding this matter to be reviewed by a justice of the peace for criminal prosecution in accordance with Canadian and international law, in addition to the civil tort. This notice of criminal and civil liability is hereby issued to Shoppers Drug Mart et al. and published on the international public notices page at vondenvisuals.com. Govern yourself accordingly, and may blessings find you. King Sean, House of Dan, Hand of Stephen, Kingdom of God. And then I close it out by um, including the email addresses of everybody that it was sent to. And it is worth noting that, um, with the exception of Meravitz Protection LLP and the National Bank of Canada, all the future notices that I have filed I have also cc'd them to Canada's Minister of Justice and Francois-Philippe Champagne, just because he's the Registrar General and he knows now that their office has acknowledged that I'm a king. So I want to let him know what's going on with the inferior offices of the government so that he can, you know, be in the know. N nobody in any of Canada's government offices can claim ignorance of these facts. So... That's that letter, and we're at 27 minutes, so that works out just about perfect. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you know what? I'll give you some concluding thoughts on that when I come back, and uh, that'll probably be all for today. Thanks again. Hang tight. my show for today. Uh, hope you're having a terrific Tuesday. Um, not sure what's going to be coming up over the next couple of days, week, whatever. Uh, I am still focused on the new platform launch for next week, um, potentially doing our first show for the new platform this coming Sunday. I have another Zoom meeting uh, with uh, the owner of the website on 
Friday. Uh, what else is going on? That's the main stuff, but I mean, there's there's a ton of ideas that are included with the new platform. It just uh, it inspired a lot of ideas that were <clears throat> kind of bubbling behind in the background somewhere. Um, so I, I spoke briefly about this once before, but I'm going to uh, be adding a registration page to my blog. And that's going to be um, basically just a place for people to post their claim of right to God's kingdom. Um, and they can post it out there for the entire world to see on the public record. I'm going to dedicate one page to that for anybody who wants to publish a SESTA KV. And uh, yeah, it'll be a service that I'm providing with a course that teaches people, you know, how to make their own ID, who it needs to be sent to. And uh, yeah, basically, I guess a little bit of counseling and or course material, if you will, on what that document means and how to move forward in the world as one's own legal entity uh and that's pretty big like i don't know it's it's pretty huge stuff to be thinking about i mean it was great the first day that i was talking to these people about it um and to be honest i i actually thought they might just decide that i was no good for this because you know they're asking me for all of the t typical things that you would expect an employer to ask you for like you know driver's license blah 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 right all of the credentials and and i just said well that's that's unfortunately you know kind of what my credentials are is that i don't have any credentials and i make my way in the world without them and you know or i have my own if you want to accept those and they were like so happy to do that and one of the other non-coincidental moments that i noticed in the universe is that in the law group that is being set up or the radio show for law that's being set up on this group uh, that there there's already a question in the group even though it's just kind of a soft launch that we've got going on right now um, there is a starting question in the group and it says uh, something to the effect that somebody was watching a movie and they noticed that the character in the movie was being tried in a different country from the one he was born in. And they wanted to know what happens in that situation if it's the country of the land that the individual was born in that has superior jurisdiction and authority or if it's the country that the person is being tried in. And, uh, you know, I think that's probably one of the best questions that we could have to start the group because those are specifically the kind of things that I am able to talk to because that was the very first question that I had when I started researching law is, you know, okay, hang on a second. What is it that makes something lawful here in Canada and not lawful here in Germany or vice versa, or even from one province to another, there's some things you can do. And uh, I think the drinking age is, it is lower, in BC than it is here. I think you can drink at 18 in BC and in Ontario it's 19 still. 
I could be wrong about that. It's been a while since I've been caring <laughs> about what the minimum age is for drinking. Uh, long way past that now. But um, I think it's probably the very most important thing that anybody should know. I mean, you, you, we all hope that we never, ever end up having to have any sort of legal matter to deal with. Um, you know, that's the ideal perfect world. But if you ever do, I personally think that everyone would want to know that they have all of the protections the law has to provide when they're going into that situation. And that's what creating, that's the only way you're going to have that status is by creating your own. So that's my show. Thank you very much for being here. And uh, again, I'm not sure 100% what I'll have coming up tomorrow, but I guarantee it's going to be something just because I'm enjoying these way too much. So thanks again. Have a wonderful night. Ciao for now.